like I was saying, I'm, I'm from Lewis, I'm from Sandwick, and this was my church before I went away to study, but like many from Lewis, um, before I was a Christian, only six short years ago, I thought there was no way that God could save me. I thought, I'm not good enough. I thought, I'm too weak. Christians are so perfect, and I've made too many mistakes, and everybody around here knows that. And yet, now as a Christian, often I'm left thinking that, why would God choose to use me? There are far better people out there. And people around me know how hard I find things. I wonder if going through the past two years and all that I've brought, and just life in general, have you ever thought that shouldn't life be easier? Especially as a Christian. Because if the good news about Jesus is so true and full of hope, shouldn't we be struggling less and feel less overwhelmed? Shouldn't it look or at least feel more impressive? At least not so mundane and and average. Or at least as as a church here, shouldn't God have more impressive people But none of us have all the gifts and we need each and every one of us. We can't do it on our own. And we're in a borrowed community hall and you have the backup to the backup preacher. And we look out on this island and we look out on this world and we see troubles and we see all that face us. How are we, of all people, meant to reach them? But thinking about these questions and feeling this way is not something new and The Christians in the church in Corinth were asking these questions while they were looking at the circumstances around them. And because of these challenges, some of the people in Corinth, they're beginning to question Paul, the one who wrote this letter that we've been reading. And it's been made more difficult because there's new teachers who have arrived here in Corinth. And they're telling the people that the Christian life should be about blessing and prosperity now. See, they offered a different message. They say that life should be easier. And unlike Paul, their lives look impressive. There's something that you would want to be, you want to be like them. And they're telling people that if you're struggling as a Christian, then you must be doing something wrong. And they're saying, if Paul is right, then why is he suffering the way he is? And you can read his response. You can read what Paul says as you go through the first part of this letter. And Paul speaks at length about his own weakness and the challenges in his life, about his health and all that he faced sharing this good news of Jesus. See, Paul has much to say in contrast to these men of prosperity. He tells people, he tells us that what really works And what is a faithful ministry and brings life to other people is not about someone proclaiming themselves and looking impressive, but by anyone openly speaking the truth about Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as servants. And we're focusing our time looking at verses 7 to 18, so if you have it there, keep it open in front of you. And we're going to be looking at this in three points. We're going to be looking at, first of all, power and weakness, then life and death, and then hope while we wait. So that's power and weakness, 
life and death, and hope while we wait. So looking at our first point, where we see power and weakness. See, Paul says Christians are part of something incredible. See, he says that this powerful, life-giving message of Jesus that he's already been speaking about in the bit that we read, he says here in verse 7, really is a great, wonderful treasure. But he goes on to say, while it might not feel that way now, he's a picture. We see in verse 7, he says, this treasure resides in a jar made of clay. See, in, in, in this time before electricity, candles in the Middle East were put in jars of clay. They were filled with oil as a means for people to find their way around. They obviously didn't know about my torch. But this was the most common of commodities. This was the way the things people used them and then broke them and threw them away. It would have been found in every one of us here's homes. It served a vital purpose, but it was used and thrown away. And if you would want something equivalent, something that you might see that we would treat the same way, is something like this coffee cup. I got this yesterday, and you may be able to tell by the cup where I got it from, but it's, it's that same thing of where you drink it, and you throw it away or recycle it. But it contains something else. It contains that drug of caffeine that we, we need to get us through maybe a Sunday morning service, or, or maybe that Monday morning when work hits. Because it's what's inside that matters. You don't really care about this. That's what you pay £3 or £4 in Edinburgh for. But this picture of a disposable cup, this disposable clay pot that lights the way, is made even clearer what Paul is trying to get across in verse, that he's already said in verse 6 of this chapter that we read. See, Christians are those, he says in verse 6 and above, he says that are those who the creator God, the creator God of the whole universe, who brought light into a dark, empty void, has now put his light inside of an ordinary, everyday Christian. See, this, this light is the knowledge of who Jesus is. The good news about his death and resurrection. And this candlelight is a light for the whole world. And yet, it is now contained in a weak clay pot, the flesh and blood of a human. And see, just like that clay pot, Adam was formed out of the dust, and to the dust he returned. As clay jars, we are also frail. We are weak humans who life begins and eventually comes to an end. But we, as Christians, are, are those to whom God has put something wonderful within. See, this message of Jesus that we have is a treasure of immeasurable worth. And God has chosen to put it not in an ornate gold vase, but in a fragile, weak-looking vessel. And see, we, we read on, and in verse 7, it tells us why God has done it this way. We read... But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. See, this picture that Paul is using, it, it's the whole point is to create this big emphasis between Paul and our weakness and this great power of God. 
See, this weakness of the vessel doesn't take away from what's inside. Actually, it highlights it. It highlights the contents. And Paul goes on further to make this point in verse 8 to describe what it feels like. What a Christian life feels like in the everyday. What it feels like in reality as we go out into our wicks, as we go out to face life. And you read it with me in verse 8. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Paul's saying that Christians aren't exempt from life struggles, but even more so, they face even more challenges as they go out to try and speak to people about who Jesus is. And yet, Paul's point is, even there, as weak people, they are sustained. So as Paul's allowed to feel the pressure and the weight and the world coming in on top of him, God's great power is at work within his life. See, God saves him from being completely overwhelmed and crushed. So that while he's often perplexed, he's confused about which way to go. Yet because of God's power in his life, he doesn't succumb to despair. While he's often persecuted as he speaks of Jesus, feeling the heat of people's dislike at his message, he's never once abandoned by God. See, Paul says if such a brittle vessel like himself can survive intact against all that was thrown against him, he says credit doesn't belong to the vessel, but to the sustaining power of God. See, this is Paul's only explanation of why he and the church there has not already been crushed. See, these trials have caused some cracks, there are some breaks, but it remains whole because there is a divine glue that is holding it together. He uses this picture to show that God can and chooses to mightily use anyone. However seemingly weak and brittle others may think of them, or however weak they may feel. See, from the outside you may doubt whether there's anything worthwhile inside but God does it for his glory he does this to highlight that it's not powerful people it's not these impressive ones that make the difference but it's a powerful message and the one who gives it power God see if you were given a great big treasure chest it was raised up from one of those supposed Spanish galleons that sailed around the coast You would see this treasure chest and beaten and and broken and holes in it that this treasure's pouring out of. You'd be like, nah, I I don't want that. That chest looks rubbish. You would never do that. You, you You would welcome it with open arms. And yet, the people in Corinth, they're rejecting Paul and this church and those who are coming with this message because they don't look very impressive. They're not seeing what they bring. They're not seeing this treasure. They're going... Nah, give me someone impressive instead. They wanted their leaders to be powerful and then follow in that power. Not the example of Paul. And and what about you? Do do you see this treasure in surprising places? Because looking round at the people who are sitting beside you, for the Christians sitting here with you in this church, 
You may see a frail person. You may see someone who you think is not that strong. You might think that the next bump might crumble them. Or maybe you think that about yourself. Yet, do you see? Do, Do you see that inside every single Christian here today is an incredible treasure? Something that is worth more than anything this world has to offer. Which leads us to our next point. The second point, life in death. Because going through difficult circumstances, whether that's illness or rejection or or anything else that comes away, it reminds us. It reminds us of our weakness over and over again. And for many of us, it can cause us to lose heart. As we attempt to tell people, as we attempt to speak to our family and our friends about Jesus. We may not have had to endure Paul's shipwrecks and beatings. But Paul's message can give us hope too. When we feel, feel weak and yet somehow keep going, we can confidently say it is God who has done it. It's not our own strength. Paul tells us to take courage. He points us in verse 10, 11, and 12 that through these weak people, much will be done. Look with me. He says, we who live, that is those who believed in this message of Jesus, these clay jars are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake. So that, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. And this word manifested is just made known. See, this life of Jesus is made known through us. Through us and our frail human bodies. You might ask, how? How does that work? Well, there's at least two ways that we're seeing this passage. And the first way is that as people look on, as people look on at our weakness, or as people pray with us in our weakness, Sometimes they get to see Jesus delivering us from all that is coming our way. When we cry out to God for help and deliverance, somehow we make it. God answers and we make it. See, that that difficulty or the sickness or the rejection is overcome or is endured and all we can say is, thank you, Jesus. Other times, sadly, That's not the case, but it is the comfort and peace we receive, though these trials are not taken away. It can feel exhausting, our experience that often so often feels like death, even as Jesus is made known to us and through us. So we we say like Paul, we do not lose heart in verse 16. Though our outer self is wasting our way, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Because God is at work in all his people. Giving us our daily bread. Keeping us going. See, verse 16 doesn't say all will be well outwardly. But that God will renew our faith as we depend on him each day. See, Paul's life was daily exposed to death. That was his apostolic experience. But also was a continual experience of the life of Jesus at work in him. Because I know that one of the most discouraging things I feel as a Christian is when I look at myself 
and see how inadequate I am for all that faces me, with my aches and my pains and my failings. And yet, one of the most encouraging things is getting to be part of a church like I have down in Haddington, or you have here. See, as I come to know other people, as I come to be involved in their lives, I get to see how God is at work. Through many incredibly hard experiences, through just the ordinary daily struggles of life, of being parents and and going to jobs, caring for loved ones as they go through sickness, as they get to see prayers answered. And yet my heart breaks for what many of them has to endure. But yet my heart also rejoices at getting to see God at work in their lives. How these people radiate the love of God. See, their life is a witness. And most of them don't see it. Most of them just think they're ordinary, or rather, less than ordinary. But yet, from others I hear how they're encouraged to keep going because of this faithful Christian. As they see God's faithfulness displayed. And I know that's true for Hugh and many of the elders here. As they get the joy and the privilege of being part of your lives. As they see God helping and sustaining you. There's another way that we get to see the life of Jesus manifested or made known in our lives in this passage. See, Paul's already said that in verse 2 of this chapter, that is by an open statement of the truth, by speaking the truth about Jesus, his life is made known. And when you look at Paul's life, it's almost impossible to separate his suffering for Jesus and his speaking about Jesus. And we see here in verse 13, if you read with me, since we have the same spirit of faith according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke, we also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us also with Jesus and bring us into his presence. And Paul's quoting from Psalm 116, where the psalmist there sings, he sings out a loud of how he has been able to trust in God when all around him is distress and enemies and just all this sorrow and yet the Lord hears his cry and his answer for mercy. See, Paul's point is that despite the difficulties, like the psalmist, in the midst of distress, he also speaks of God. See, it's God's care and mercy in the midst of these trials that enables him to go on speaking. Now, I may not know your background, and, and whenever you come to talk about suffering, there's, there's always many hearts here that are burdened. There may be many things in your life weighing you down this morning. And I, and I don't have the answers for them all, but I do know that the best place to turn is the hope that is found here and in Jesus. And this is what Paul wants us to see. He points us back to all the people who came before him. And it's helpful that you were planning on singing the Psalms anyway this morning. Because you see that throughout them. As you read the Psalms, there's one common theme throughout the whole Old Testament. And that is of God's people constantly being in need. Constantly getting things wrong. And then constantly crying out to God. What we also see is God constantly being faithful to them. 
And that's our case. As we, as we see and we know this God and as we experience that same God in the midst of our lives, we cannot help but speak about this God. And that's the witness of ordinary Christians living ordinary lives. Whether that's speaking to a friend over, over some food or just talking to somebody at work. Some people will listen and they respond. But often we won't even see the fruit of our labor. And it's not wasted. Words are, about God are powerful because of the message, not because of the messenger. I, I, I know this myself. In, in my granny who used to speak to me, I used to go over to a house in Loch, and, and, and even though the all of what life threw at her, she would pray with me each night and she would speak to me about this God that she knew. And she never got to see me come to faith, but I'll never forget her words. And for you, as you, as you speak to your loved ones, as you speak to your friends, telling them about this difference of what God has done, whether that's reading the Bible with someone, or speaking a few words into someone's life here and there as you go through life with them. It's having a whole book of reasons for the hope that we have. And us as, and you as a church here, as you seek to reach out to this island, it's important that we learn this lesson. That faithful Christian ministry often feels like an uphill battle. It doesn't always appear successful. It often feels more like death. Why? Because this message of hope for the whole world is contained with, within a clay pot. It's contained within us as humans who get tired, who get weary, and who get old. And see, we pray and we long that God would do mighty things. He will do amazing things in our town and in our land and like with the psalmist, we pray, O Lord, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? But see, a revival and a move of God and many people all at once coming to faith is not the usual experience. God's usual way is working through ordinary people living ordinary lives in the sight of others who seek daily God for his help in their daily bread, and who feel that they're not sufficient for all that is coming their way. Ordinary people doing ordinary things, day after day. And just when you're thinking, Angus, there has to be another way, surely there's, there's some, something else, there's a way of power where we can just go out of here and everyone will instantly believe Consider with me, consider the life of Jesus and his power. See, he is the perfect picture of ultimate power in the most surprising of places. He's the God who took on flesh, our flesh, who through the whole universe was made through him, was tired and spent much of his time alone in prayer, who though he was the king of the whole universe, humbled himself as a servant. And yet because he looked so frail, people rejected him because he didn't look like the military leader they thought they needed. They wanted power that would bring them power. 
So he was beaten. He was mocked. He was killed rather than celebrated. And Jesus was crucified in weakness. The human flesh of Jesus was crushed and he died with many people just thinking he was a failure. Well, that was until he rose again. And yet his life-giving message of this man who died in weakness has gone to the ends of the earth through his weak people. It's come even here to the Isle of Lewis. And you can take courage if you are a Christian here that God is at work in you especially and because you feel weak. God will proclaim his good news through you. So I ask you, have, have you embraced this weakness as a way of life? So that people would see God and not us. Which leads us to our last and final point. This hope while we wait. Because that is a hard message and this isn't something that is easy because life isn't easy. So what is our hope as we face tomorrow? Well for Paul and as we read here, it is the future resurrection that awaits all those who trust in Jesus. And that is what Paul keeps going back to. And as you read through all his writings, he goes there again and again. And we see in verse 14, that same power that was at work within Jesus, that raised him from the dead, that is at work within you and will raise you too if you're a Christian. We do not need to lose heart because of our weakness. And all the things that we face because death is not the end. And because all these weaknesses and the sickness and the death and the worry and even the doubt will not separate you or me from Jesus. Because he knows our suffering. He has experienced it. And he will raise us up. And in verse 17, if you look at me, Paul calls our life. He calls this clay pot ministry that we are a part of momentary afflictions which are preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison see this life is making us more like jesus our trials rather than taking us away from him are making us more like jesus as we depend on him and paul can call it momentary and light not because it is easy but because of what it is compared to as we've seen, Paul has gone through a lot. He is not minimizing suffering in any way whatsoever. But what he is doing, he's emphasizing the scale of the reward to come. He says, brothers and sisters, it will be worth it. It will be worth it as we face tomorrow. But what is hard, and what is hard for us all, so we can't see that yet. We can't see that reward. We can't see that life to come. And he says in verse 18, what we can see and feel right real, we say it in verse 18, but what we can see is our troubles. What we can see is our life. And it feels like that will last forever. It feels like this current thing that you're going through will not come to an end. But yet, Paul says it's only temporary. What feels weak right now will pass. And what will come will last forever so that even as you face tomorrow and your the end of your life even 
And this clay pot ministry where you can look back on and see very little progress in often in our lives. Jesus will come and say to you, he will come to that life that you think you have done very little with and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. To you and alongside millions and millions of others who have heard it and responded to it. And it's because of this, because of that coming and everyone coming to meet with Jesus one day, Many who are yet to hear this message that Paul goes on speaking, he goes on proclaiming, even in the midst of trials, as he is empowered by God to do it. And if you look with me at verse 15, Paul says, Paul tells us, he says it all for the sake of others. All that he goes through is for the sake of others. All this speaking and suffering, so that as grace goes out to more and more people, it will also increase in thanksgiving to God. As more and more people, as those people we love and we share with, respond and join with us and are here with us proclaiming God, it brings God honour. Not to Paul, not to us, but to God. And if you're not a Christian, you might be looking on and you might be hearing this and you think, why would anyone do that? Why would anyone be a Christian? The answer is two things. First one is that we all struggle. It's not just Christians. We're all weaker than we like to admit. The world will tell you to hide that weakness, put it away, put on a stiff upper lip, fight and strive to make it to the top. But then we we look at those who are at the top. They're just as weak and frail as us. You see that in the news, you see it all over the place and often they're even more scared than we are because weakness is part of the human condition that that phrase that they use death and taxes are, are the two unavoidable things in life no one will take the treasure that they amass with them Christianity is just honest the thing is we're made for a relationship we're made to know God we're made to know him for God to share with us but yet we've chosen to live without him and it's that rejection of God that to live our own way that the Bible says is the reason why pain and weakness came into the world in the first place but Christianity doesn't end there it is not hopeless it has good news to share that life does have a purpose and a meaning that the end is not with death And that there's a God who cares for you deeply and wants to know you. And there's a a God who hears you when you cry. And when you don't know where to turn. And he has given a church here who wants to come alongside you and share all the good things God has given you. It's not something we earn this treasure. but But it's through Jesus and what he has done. The so-called strong of this world and the powerful have no need for God because they think they can do it themselves. And that's why this message of weakness is so important. Because Jesus' offer is only for those who admit they are weak and in need. And in need of God. See, there's no one who's too far. There's no one not good enough. 
Actually, it's the opposite. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, all who are heavy laden, and he will give rest. And I would encourage you, come and get to know Christians. Come and get to know them. And you will see there's nothing different or better about them. There's nothing better about them than you. But there's a difference in that inside them is a treasure that comes from knowing God. We find a grace when we stumble. Because it's not about our impressiveness and it's not about us living this life perfectly, but actually the God who does that for us in our weakness. I'd ask you to come and look at Jesus, for us all to come and look at the life of Jesus and see what he has to say. The one who suffered and who knows our weakness and our trials, who faced them himself. And that for us all in church, we're tempted like the church in Corinth to base our, God's love for us and how well we're doing as Christians based on how easy our life is and what we have. On our house, our bank account, our health. Yet Paul would remind us that our treasure and, and our God's love for us is not in this world. Money comes and goes and life fades with age. Yet it is this world that is momentary. Not us. We can go out and live our lives even as we ache and groan. We can live our lives in service to God and embrace that weakness as servants because soon, soon we shall receive an eternal body. Soon God will come and wipe away every tear from our eyes. Soon we will see it has all been worth it. Every difficulty, every challenge that we've faced and to close, for us all as Christians, as we wait, we will suffer, but we will be sustained. You may be overwhelmed, but you will still be standing. Because God delights to give abundantly to all who seek his help. Let's point each other back to Jesus, back to this hope. As we see our brothers and sisters struggling, let us pray for them and pray with them and see God at work in their lives. Let us care for one another. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. We can rejoice because the Christian life is full of joys. And we can weep because we know these hard days will find their ultimate fulfillment because of the resurrection to come. And what this island needs is not perfect people. What it needs is a people who are dependent on God. Who, not people who have no worries, but people who understand the worries of the people around them. Who comfort others out of being comforted. And out of their weakness offer hope to a world. Because that's what Jesus does. He doesn't start, stand far off. He comes and lives among people, speaks words of comfort and life. And hung upon a cross in weakness, in death, offering hope to all. And yet he rose again, promising life to anyone, anyone here today who will come to him. This hope is not for perfect people 
about weak people who see their need of rescue and who know that no one else can help them. No one else is big enough but God alone. And they will receive that from God. 